Welcome to another Paranormal, the New Normal bonus episode. The new episodes we do that will drop on Wednesdays. And we're recording this one a long time before it's going to release, but that's okay. I like to have future content lined up, and that works out perfectly for me. And this is a continuation, actually. I was just on Barnaby's show, and if you want to listen to part one, listen to his show, and I'll let him tell you about his show, since he knows more about it than I do. Whispers from the Dark, which part one will be on that show. It, it should be released two days before this episode drops, so you can check that out first, and I'll make sure to put it in the show notes for this episode anyway, so you can go there first. Barnaby, why don't you tell them about what you do in the paranormal world? Oh man, I do everything. I am a cryptozoologist and a paranormal researcher. I am the founder of Cryptids, Anomalies, and the Paranormal Society, which is CAPS right behind me here. Uh, we do a bi-monthly YouTube series <clears throat> where we document about hour-long uh, video documentaries on all of our uh, investigations. We've done everything from Bigfoot to the Chicago Mothman sightings. Uh, ghosts of Gettysburg, uh, haunted coal mines. Um, we have gone all over the United States and upper Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois. Uh, I also am the host of Whispers from the Dark podcast, which you were just on this past week. And uh, I am also the host of Monday Morning Monsters on WLTK DB Talk Radio, uh, WLTKDB.com. Interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> I mean, I'm on a lot of podcasts, but that right there is just equal to what I do is anyway. So you know what it's like to be busy, which is I, I a do. good thing. Oh, plus we offer uh, paranormal tours of a haunted location uh, of the Gainers Tavern or Bean Snappers. So when I'm not out doing uh, podcasts or investigations or speaking at conventions and other paranormal events and cryptid events, uh, we do the tours and yeah, I'm, I'm busy every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Plus I have a, a 40 hour week day job too. Same. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a busy life. It's a busy life. That's for sure. Well, we, end, we stopped talking on your show. Basically we were talking about chupacabras at that point mm -hmm. and we covered a menagerie of different cryptids before that, which we won't go back into that because let them listen to your episode to hear that. That's right. As you all know, my show is famous for its creature feature segment because who doesn't like to just talk about theories of cryptids? It's just an interesting topic that everybody can get into and have and throw their own little theories out about. So let's move on to one that we didn't talk about in your show. And let's go. Well, actually, we did mention it on your show slightly, but I wanted to say it from my show anyway. So let's talk about Mokele Mbembe uh -huh. and, and the idea of do, dinos do dinosaurs still exist? on earth in the remote regions that humans do not go to yet. That's very interesting because as we're filming this, uh, this coming Monday, I'm doing an entire uh, Monday morning monsters with Shitan Noir about this topic. So this is a warm up. I like this. Um, yeah. Mokele and Membe, uh, very interesting, uh, was actually first reported by Carl Hagenbeck of uh, the Hagenbeck and Wallace circus. Um, so he was out, uh, he was a big game hunter and stuff over in Africa. He would go out and capture animals for circuses, museums, and zoological societies back in the day. And uh, he was getting these reports of these giant, or this giant, I guess, um, creature by the natives, <coughs> excuse me, in the Congo River Basin of Africa. 
And um, he actually first reported that in his book that he wrote, uh, the, the name escapes me right now, but he had this uh, book about all these creatures and stuff that he was uh, out hunting and capturing and stuff. And, and that's where the actual name and the, the creature first started. But um, yeah, I guess, you know, for, for as much as we look for these creatures and that you, you, the natives that are out there, the people that live in those areas, they know all the animals. So when, when outsiders come in and they're like, well, it was just an elephant or it was just a hippo or something like that. They've shown these pictures to the, the people that live there and it's not that, you know, they show them a picture of an elephant, they show them a picture of a hippo and they go, no, no, that's, that's not what we saw. Um, they show them a picture of like a, a Brachiosaurus or a Brontosaurus or something like that. And, and they all nod, yes, that's, that's, that's what we saw. So, you know, going back to like a lot of people talk about you know, ancient aliens and stuff like that. People drew what they saw. Yep. They don't know what it is. They don't, they don't have an understanding of what they're looking at, but they drew these pictures. So when you show them a picture of this dinosaur and you say, is this what you saw? And they say, yes. Well, they don't know that this animal has been extinct for however many years and that that's what they're seeing. And I think that's a lot more credible of a, uh, a, a credible witness to these events and stuff than actually, you know, the, the scientists and stuff that are saying that these things don't exist because obviously these, these guys are seeing something out there, you know, hundred percent. And with all these like recent developments in the world, like there's a, I don't know where exactly it is, but in, I believe it's in China, maybe Japan, but I'm thinking China, there's a, they found an old section of forest that's kind of in a crater. And it has trees that no human has ever seen as of today. Like, just trees and all that that no one has seen. So, but... I don't don't know what's going on over here. Technical difficulties, folks. But but these forests, who's to say they're not hiding creatures that we thought were extinct, but just were living in protection in this little crater where nothing could disturb them, no humans could kill them. Mm-hmm. or no other animals could kill them really and i mean who know in the deep there's also stories from i want to say it's chile or colombia of a tribe that they know there's a raptor in the woods that if you go in the woods at night this raptor will kill you and eat you and they tell visitors do not go in there they respect this thing like a god almost because it's to them a very fearful thing that they should be wary of so I always like to go back to when I was in elementary school. There was always this one book in the library at school I checked out that was cryptids. It was Bigfoot, Loch Ness, all the basic ones that everybody knows about. But at the end, there was a little, little chapter that was like five pages long. What if dinosaurs still exist? And there was a picture of a huge T-Rex right in the front page, which, I mean, I have a feeling that if a T-Rex still existed, we might know about that by now because that's going to be hard for anybody to not see or hear. But raptors, I could believe in. Maybe some plant, plant-eating, non-carnivore, herbivores, dinosaurs of, that are still in Africa or still in remote parts of South American jungles. I could believe that as well. And just look at the reports of pterodactyl-like creatures that come out of the American Southwest, including, I believe it was on a Monster Quest or Monsters and Mysteries in America back in the day. 
and I've heard of newspaper clippings about this as well, where they would come down and pick up a young child playing in the front yard of his house. And the mom would see out the kitchen window or something similar, and she'd yell, and the father and all the neighbors would come with their guns and blasted the thing, trying to get it to stop. And usually it would just drop the kid, but I've heard some cases where the kid didn't get dropped, and they never saw the kid again. It was just taken. Probably back to a nest to feed young pterodactyls. I mean, who knows? But it's just, there are so much different stories out there of things that could be related to dinosaurs. I mean, even Loch Ness or other water monsters and sea serpents could be dinosaurs left over that the oceans would be the perfect place for them to live through the ice age and just stay down there and eat fish or eat whales, whatever they want to eat, or just plants if they're plant eaters. But it, there's so many different options out there for how these things could have existed that it's possible. And I mean, I've had people on this show bring up Antarctica too. What if there's actually like a Marvel Comics type savage land in Antarctica where these things thrive still? And there's all of them in there and they just, they have no way to get out. So they're stuck in there and we haven't explored Antarctica fully yet. So maybe we just haven't found the entrance. Kind of like Land of the Lost. That too. Yes, I, it's usually the other one I like to mention when I say that, but forgot about that one for a second. But it's just interesting. It's interesting that these things could still exist. And my son loves the fact that they still could because every time I say it, his jaw drops open. And he's like, can we go there? I'm like, I'm not going to Antarctica. No, no. I like warmth. I don't like cold. Well, I was going to bring up, you know, you're talking about like the flying dinosaurs and stuff in the Southwest. I mean, a couple of weeks from now is the uh, Van Meter Iowa Visitor Festival. And then that whole festival is based around this flying pteranodon, uh, pterosaur, thunderbird creature that came down and terrorized the, the whole town of Van Meter, Iowa for a couple of weeks, you know, and, and then all of a sudden they shot at it and all this stuff and that just disappeared. You know, so you, you have these sightings all over the world. And um, most recently, they've been talking about with the, the Arctic and the Antarctic uh, thawing and stuff, the poles, that there's possibility of mammoths still being alive, uh, especially up in like Alaska and that small populations of, of woolly mammoths or mastodons uh, still roaming around. Because you have this whole wilderness of untouched area up there that you know uh people i don't think people realize how big alaska actually is it's you know like half the size of the united states as is you know and it, there's very few people that live up in alaska and there's a lot of untouched you know wilderness up there that these things could be living uh quite recently we actually discovered an entire species of forest elephants that were living in uh i believe asia or, or uh, the upper part of Africa or something. One of those over there, I think it's Asia. But these these smaller uh, elephant species that were just completely living in the forest that we thought were the same as the the grassland elephants and stuff, but it turns out they're a completely different species. Yeah, I heard about those elephants being discovered a few months ago or in the, in the last year at least. Mm -hmm. Which it's funny that you're talking about the Van Meter Visitor event because. My other podcast, Bracket Bastards, which all listeners of this show know about, most of the people on that podcast are from Iowa. So I actually sent a message out to them like, hey, do you guys know about this? And why has no one told me? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's in September, you said. I might have to make a trip out to 
Audrey, it is uh, uh, September 24th this year. It's actually going to be in a couple of weeks there. And uh, the Caps team will be out at Van Meter and uh, a bunch of other really cool people will be out there speaking and stuff. So it should right. be a good time. May have to come out and do a little podcast promoting, but we'll see. Sounds good. Let me know. Yeah, I definitely would if I decided to go there, though I think I'm going to Mexico in November. So it might be a financial thing. So who knows? <laughs> but i was right on the way down to mexico just so you know oh uh, if you, if you start at canada and go straight down you, you can't miss iowa yeah well <laughs> but it's basically like well it's a financial thing more than a, and it's two months apart so i can't just fly one to the other but unless i'm stuck in iowa for a long time but <laughs> but yeah most of them are from uh pella iowa which is by Van Meter, I believe. But all right, so you just said another name <coughs> of a cryptid that we could talk about. Thunderbirds. Uh-huh. Which I... That's one of my theories about Thunderbirds, that they are pterodactyls, that the Native Americans just didn't know what to call them, and they, because their wings sounded like thunder, they called them Thunderbirds. Or, well, their name for it, and we translated it to Thunderbirds, but... Of course, but I, I mean, do we think these mythological godlike birds might be something different all completely? Like they may actually be able to control weather? Hmm. I haven't done too much research into Thunderbirds yet. It typically goes, uh, whatever we're doing for our episodes for Caps uh, is where like I spend an entire like year doing certain episodes and that we do, we do a couple episodes a year that are stuff that we get called for and that. And then we typically have two episodes that we initiate and do the research on. Um, it's been like Bigfoot or um, uh, Aliens and uh, Mothman and stuff the last couple of years. And we haven't done a, a Bigfoot episode, or a, I'm sorry, a Thunderbird episode yet. Um, I did actually get to hang out with Ken Gerhard recently, who has done a lot of research into Thunderbirds. And uh, I was just at a, a, a convention with Allison Jornlin, who gave a whole presentation on Thunderbirds and, and that. Um, but as far as I know, I don't, I don't know. I would, I would say that they're, you know, just like you said, you know, prehistoric creatures or, or something that, you know, may have lived up until the modern days of, um, the Native Americans and that I recently did hear a theory that I thought was really interesting is that, um, on, on my episode, we were talking about the Bridgewater Triangle and uh, stuff like that, and the, the Alaskan Triangle or the Bermuda Triangle and these areas of, of disappearances of planes and other things like that. And this person put forth a theory that when these airplanes and stuff go disappearing into these triangles, that they're actually transported through time. So these things that people are seeing, these um, thunderbirds and stuff like that, that are shooting fire or that are actually just planes that have been pushed back in time. So these things that are, you know, causing thunder and roaring in the sky and all that stuff might actually just be these, these planes of modern day that have, have been appearing in the past. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know that, I don't know if I believe it or not, but it, it definitely helps fit the bill it definitely helps with some of those theories and 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 where these people are seeing it i mean yeah definitely it's interesting theory it's kind of like that new show that came out in this last year where 
they, where LA opens up and they all fall back into caveman era. But <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that. But I have heard theories about the, especially about the Bermuda Triangle being a possible time warp location or even an interdimensional location where maybe these planes and ships and everything, the spirits go into another dimension. And if we went through that dimension, we would just see tons of skeletons and tons of human vehicles just abandoned and lost forever because they had no way of getting back home. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there was a civilization of humans living there that found out how to survive there. And just every time a new ship comes through, they rescue people off it and they try to help. But who knows? It does bring up a good point, though, is, you know, if if these planes are going back in time and stuff, where's the wreckage? Exactly. You know, would I mean, you would still find like fossilized planes or something. I, I don't know. I mean, because, well, I hate to I hate to keep comparing it to this, but in the show I was talking about, that's what they do is like the people that go in the past start leaving notes and stuff in the dirt. And then the people find them in the exact same location. Sambrea, that's what's called Sambrea. Labrea. La Brea, yeah, that's what the show is called. But they leave things in the past, and the people in the current time can find them in the ground still, and like a necklace or a letter, and like there would be stuff we'd find currently in current days when we're di- when people are digging for oil fields or for mining or any other reason, farming even. They would find wreckages, and they'd be like, "Why is this in the ground?" And mm-hmm. especially is- because nowadays you'd be able to trace you know, with the black boxes or the serial numbers and stuff. If you found a plane that was, you know, like, let's say, I, I don't know any of the other aircraft or anything that disappeared, but you have Amelia Earhart, right? Yep. So if Amelia Earhart's plane took off and went through the Bermuda Triangle and ended up, you know, back in caveman days or something, um, now you would find the wreckage of this possibly, and you would be able to trace back some of the stuff that was there and go, why, why is Amelia Earhart's airplane, you know, 10 million years old now? I, I don't know. but Or maybe it's possible that it just be completely disintegrated after that amount of time, you know? It's, know. it's possible, but metals like that take a long time to completely just break down random, like mm-hmm. naturally. They have huge half-life, so <clears throat> I don't know. But Maybe that's why we can't find Noah's Ark, but <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get into religion. That's a whole nother topic, <laughs> but all right. I like to bring this one up on Creature Feature all the time because it's a newer thing and it's a newer cryptid that people don't know about as often. And I want to test you on it. All right. Mirrored men. Ooh. I have no idea what you're talking about. This was a this was something that I first heard about on when people called in calls about it on Derek Hayes Monsters Among Us podcast. And there's another <coughs> there's another podcast out there. I forget what it's called. I apologize if they listen to this, but they coined the term mirrored men. And basically what it is is three men, or they look like men, walking in synchronicity. Anytime one takes a step, the other takes a step. Oh. And anytime, anytime they look a certain direction, they all look a certain direction. And they're usually okay. seen, they've been seen in the suburbs and cities, usually late at night, if someone's looking out their window. But I've also heard stories of them being seen on trails in the woods. And people generally lose time when they're looking at, when they see these things, they lose up to, I've heard, 12, 14 hours. Yikes. 
Yeah, I, I guess when you first said that, I was thinking of like, um, like a mirrored face or like a mirrored oh. body, kind of like a shimmer person or something. Oh, like a glimmer um, man? Yeah, kind of like that. But I was like, I've never heard that term. But yeah, actually that you, now you explain it, it seems more like um, I've heard a lot about this phenomenon in like the glitching in the matrix kind of situation. Yeah. Where you're driving down the street and you see the same person, like you, you pass the same person like every block or something and they're standing there. Or like you said, they're all doing the exact same motion or you're, you're looking at like a, <clears throat> I've, I've seen like pictures of um, like old concerts and stuff. <coughs> excuse me. And uh, there'll be three, excuse me. <coughs> there'll be like three people in the audience that all have the same hat, the same watch and the same cell phone stand there, you know, looking at it or something. And they're just like duplicates or doppelgangers of the same person. Um, so yeah, I have heard about that. Um, I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I've, I've seen some very weird things, you know, personally in that. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, one of the most common theories about them is what if they are men in black mm -hmm. and what if they not don't, they, they don't even do this. Nat, they do this naturally, this walking together, their synchronicity, but what if it means the men in black are not necessarily men? What if they're extraterrestrial or what if they're like, like the movies would have us believe, or what if they're androids of some kind that were invented way before anybody knew androids existed. And they are there just to perform a task of keeping things secret. And maybe that's why they're seen in the woods and they've been seen in the woods because maybe they're hiding a Sasquatch or preventing people from seeing a Sasquatch or any other cryptid that lives in the woods, or what if they're seen in suburbs and whatnot because they're stopping people from seeing aliens or something along those lines. And the fact that you lose time is a very ex extraterrestrial abduction thing. It's losing time because mm -hmm. you don't know you've been abducted. You just feel like you lost. You look at the clock and it's eight hours later and you don't know why. Mm -hmm. So there's a that's the main two theories that have been posed with these is men in blacks and alien related. But... I don't know. I mean, it's not a big enough phenomenon where a lot of people have talked about it and it's become like a huge subject, but I do know that it became a huge thing off the bat on Monsters Among Us and this other podcast that identified them as that like named them as well. It's just it's one of those things that you just start hearing about and it's like, why am I hearing about this more and more? It's kind of creepy. It's like the um the hat man phenomenon. I've heard um, of that, yeah. Yeah, we had some uh, one of the locations that we investigate, um, the Gainers Tavern or Bean Snappers, uh, has this Hatman entity there. And uh, I joined a bunch of uh, uh, Facebook groups and stuff that have like witness accounts and stuff like that. And I, I, I Google searched it and I, I looked for all this information and I couldn't find much. I mean, it's out there, but I couldn't find what I was looking for. Right. And um, recently, I just went to a conference with Mike Ricksecker, who literally like wrote the book on Shadow Men and Hat Man. He has a documentary out and all this stuff and um, met him, talked to him. That day, I, I actually gave him a presentation at this event about the Gainers Tavern and the Shadow Man and stuff and had a lady come up to me after the event and tell me her story about the Shadow Man. After that day, all of a sudden, 
I'm getting all these notifications of people posting on that Hatman uh, message board. Like there hadn't been any activity on there for like a year, you know, and all of a sudden there's all these people sharing stories of their experiences. All of a sudden I have found like three or four other podcasts that have all talked about this and have witnesses on it. It's very weird that all of a sudden all this stuff has come to light uh, since that one weekend that I met Mike. And it's, it's just like a weird synchronicity that for a year I had been looking for it podcasts, anybody witnesses stories, couldn't find nothing. After that weekend, it, it's like a floodgate opened about it. So, I mean, a, any listener who wants to learn more about this, you can e- easily Google Monsters Among Us. There's a Mirrored Men special he did where it's all Mirrored Men stories from people, people calling in their own stories. So, it's definitely something to check out because there's so many different, they're all different too. I mean, a lot of it is kids in their bedroom late at night and they look out the window and they just, they come to and it's morning, which makes me think, makes me lean towards extraterrestrial in some way, but it, with all this, you can't really lean towards any way because it's just too many options. All right, let's go to, try to think of some. Actually, well, yeah, my favorite topic, as everybody in my, that this is my show knows, dogmen because i have been i spent hours one day looking at every encounter on the american dogmen project website on their map and just which i want to get the people who made that site on here to talk about it but because i am a huge fan of their work and i read all their encounters and even if a half of them are made up lies and that's still a lot of encounters that cannot be explained and Dogmen go back in time, which I'll get into in a bit, but I want to hear what you think about them first. Absolutely. I mean, here I am living in Wisconsin, which is, you know, Dogman Central right here because we got uh, the Beast of Bray Road. And uh, Linda Godfrey has literally written books and books on this thing and and coined the term Beast of Bray Road. Uh, We have gone up and down Bray Road looking for this thing. We did a whole episode with uh, Lee Hample who has been on Expedition X. He's been on a couple other shows with his property. Uh, his property backs up to Bray Road. So his, his property literally like is the same area as Bray Road. He's had weird encounters, weird sightings on his property. We got to go spend the entire night out there investigating this. Um, I, I've never seen anything out there. Uh, we've had some weird stuff happen on his property while out there investigating lot of weird stuff uh heard something large run through the cornfield next to us heard some like growling and stuff but um i haven't had my own encounter yet with it uh we've been working on doing a dog man episode but uh we haven't got to that one yet but um yeah it's it's definitely a lot of witnesses have seen a lot of stuff down in in the area of elkhorn bray road area and uh, it's, it's still going on to this day. They, they just built this big, um, like a, a tree stump carving of the Dogman on Bray Road. And uh, it's, it's really cool. Anybody that goes down there gets to see this thing. You drive down the road, you can't miss it. It's like eight feet tall. Uh, really cool chainsaw carving of the beast. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. It bothers me, <clears throat> the Dogman and Mothman are kind of like the same 
little subgroup right here of cryptids because with Bigfoot, as we talked about on, on my show, you know, you have Gigantopithecus, you have ancient hominids, you have some skeletal evidence, you have a primate record for these things. You have gorillas, you have humans, you, you, have, a, you have a precedent for a giant ape creature. Aside from like the dire wolf, you don't have a precedent for the dogman. You don't have a fossil record. Well, that you don't have a fossil record, but yeah. look at Anubis. I was I was getting there. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Just... Yeah, yeah. Um, but you you don't have like that that um, the fossil record. Like I said, you don't have the the bodies and stuff that you can look at that says that this might be a creature. You do have a lot of mythology and folklore and stuff. And like we said, you know, if if you know, back to Mokelia Membe and stuff, if people are seeing these things, something, they saw something. And a lot of these sightings, you know, okay, some of it, I would say maybe 25% of the dogman reports, you could write off and say, well, it was probably a Bigfoot, you know, or just a regular dog, we'll say, okay, or, uh, or a werewolf, no, or, or a wolf or some, some giant beast like that. But there's a lot of weird stuff that comes out there that you can't write off as Bigfoot. It doesn't have the same body structure. It doesn't have the same characteristics or anything like that. So these people are definitely seeing something out there that, that isn't a Bigfoot, isn't a, a known creature. What it is, I don't know. Um, like, like you said, Anubis, there's a lot of mythology and stuff about these dog-headed creatures. Um, the, uh, Oh, I never get this right. Um, Eastern Orthodox Methodists, I believe, I think that's what it is, have a patron saint, Christopher, who is a dog-headed saint. And um, supposedly the story goes that <clears throat> he was a, a dog-headed person who he was a... Um, uh, a Canaanite, yeah. right? So Canaanites are the same as Anubis. Um, they're the same uh, religious grouping. They're, they're the ones, the Canaanites were Anubis's people, were the, the, the dog-headed people. Um, and he was cursed with the head of a dog. And he went out and he wanted to, to do his diligence or whatever of, of uh, fixing, fixing himself or whatever. So he went out and he asked to have his head changed to a human and, and be fixed. And I can't remember who sent him out to this. I think it was a priest or something sent him out to this river. And um, St. Christopher was this large man, you know, seven, eight feet tall creature with the head of a dog. So his job was to ferry people across this river and, and help them cross. And so one day he carried this boy across this river and he said, it feels like you, you're just a little boy, but you have like the weight of the world on your shoulders. And uh, he carried him across and supposedly this person was, was Jesus. And that's why he was so weighted with the weight of the world and everything. And Jesus turned his head back into a normal person and, and changed him back into a man and took away whatever curse or whatever was upon him. And so that's, that's how he became the patron saint of travelers. And that's, that's St. Christopher's story. 
But it's interesting because you have that whole story. You have the whole story of Anubis and the Canaanites going to war against, you know, the Israelites and and the Canaanites themselves, canine being Canaan, Canaan, canine dog, you know, um, all kind of fits that same bill. So I don't know. Well, plus being in Wisconsin, you're not far from the land between the lakes either, mm-hmm. which has the beast of the land between the lakes, which has been some of the most gory, horrific stories of dogmen encounters ever known. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to stay in that cabin in, in that land overnight because I would be scared shitless of what could happen there. I mean, mm-hmm. the f- I mean, they found a little girl's body hanging from a tree like a guy attacked by a dog. So, and it's just that there's been a lot of different attacks up there and it's creepy. It's very creepy. That island is, I'd say, cursed almost. But I mean, as far as dogmen go, I mean, it kind of leans into human suit wearer, walker mythology as well. Mm -hmm. The word that we don't like to say in this show, but because, I mean, the difference between dogmen and werewolves as all listeners of my show know by this point is... They don't have dogmen do not have the full moon lore. They don't have the silver bullet lore, any of that. They're just that we know of. That we know of. But then again, these dogmen are seen all the time. They're not seen just on full moon. So it would they can't all have that affliction affliction on them. Well, there's there's also a lot of sorry, uh, there's also a lot of different types of dogman. You yes. know, you have you have the Anubis looking ones, the long pointed ears. Um, which is interesting because those uh, we were talking about like the shadow entities and stuff on the last show too. A lot of the Anubis style dogmen are seen like in people's bedrooms. They'll show up at the foot end of their bed and stuff like that. You have a lot of that kind of stories with those. You also have like the werewolf looking ones, which are the ones like the beast of Bray road and stuff like that. And you also have this weird hyena looking dogman yep. creature. So you, you don't just have like, I mean, Bigfoot, you have a little variance, color, you know, style a little bit, um, you know, like some say like the baboon face or whatever. But um, with Dogman, you have a whole a whole variety of what these things are supposed to look like in that, too. Which it could, which if you go the walker route, it could be a curse put on these people that last and makes them immortal and makes them have to live with this forever until they are killed by something that they could be killed by but could also it be a genetic thing that it's passed down in families from and then these people just become vagrants or not not well kind of like hobos more back in the day and they travel from place to place and they just try to keep hidden they stay in the woods i mean there's a famous song that was written i think in the 70s about about a dog running into a they a group of loggers chase a dog into a hollow log and outside out the other end walks a man Derek Hayes has played on his podcast multiple times it's a very funny funny interesting song but kind of creepy as well it'll make that hair Mm -hmm. in the back of your neck stand up a little bit but it's just I love dog men because I feel like they I mean just the stories of werewolves which is a word I hate but the stories of those going back to the beast of Govadon. I know I just butchered that French town. Javadon? Javadon, yeah. I just butchered it again, probably, but <laughs> I'm not good with French names. But yeah. going back to that and going back to all the 
mytholo mythological and medieval legends of these creatures. What if they were just dogmen and that's what they were seeing and they just called it werewolves because they had nothing else to call it. And they, they, they couldn't fathom that dog and men could be the same. But I had a guest on my show, well, months before this episode, where, named Christopher Susi, who he was in the army and he was in Egypt. He was the point in Egypt at this point. And one of his buddies who was from New Orleans, he, he saw a statue of Anubis and he pointed at it. He said, what's that statue of? And they're like, he's like, I saw that when I was a kid twice and mm. in New Orleans. He said the first time he saw it in his backyard, I believe, looking out his bedroom window and it looked right up at him. And then another time he was fishing in a river on a raft or a boat and the same creature came paddling past him, turned around, looked at him and then kept paddling. And he and when they told him that's an ancient Egyptian god called Anubis, he's like, but I've seen it in, when I was a kid, like 20 years ago, less than 20 years ago. I mean, it's just mind blowing like the fact that someone could see it someone who never has been to egypt before never knew anything about Egypt, egyptian culture could see a statue and say i've seen that well yeah well um louisiana has its whole culture based on that as uh the rougarou i mean this is its own name its own thing down there you know the same dogman beast of ray road thing it's just called different things seen there but the rougarou is a big deal down in, in louisiana and the swamps and stuff a lot of people see it it's part of their culture yeah, I mean, well, Small Town Monsters just did a actual documentary on it, the how the Rougarou, but and the, yeah, the Rougarou is basically just the Orleans version of a dogman, and it's I believe it came over from Africa. That name did not because I'm not sure because as most things in New Orleans, they all that Cajun culture came from a, a mix of African and Southern culture mixed together. So, I I thought that that was more like French. Oh, uh, yeah, like a French and France, yeah, yeah, because then does that have to be the French Quarter? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because so. then yeah. France owned Florida for a while too, I believe. So, or that was Spain, that was Spain, that was Spain. But <laughs> it's hard to keep it all straight. Same nowadays. area, same area. But kind of, yeah. And if dogmen exist all over the world, then every nation would have their own stories of it going back to the beginning of history. <coughs> anyway. One thing you didn't touch on is uh, uh, the whole thing with the, the Third Reich and Hitler. Uh, one of the stories coming out of the concentration camps over there was that Hitler was trying to breed werewolves and that a lot of the people that were in these concentration camps used to see the werewolves like patrolling the can concentration camps. Huh. Because he was in... He was into a lot of the occult and the crystal yeah. skulls and the UFOs and the aliens and all that stuff. And I, I've always thought it was interesting that he was trying to breed werewolves. Yeah, which I mean, <laughs> I, I actually have never really, heard, I've heard of it, but loosely, but I never really read or, or seen documentaries about or anything. But I mean, Hitler was into a lot of strange stuff. And I mean, that almost sounds like something out of a comic book, but it's true because he did look into all this mm -hmm. stuff and he wasn't all there all the time but he i mean some, he if if he was looking into this stuff it had to exist at some point back then or be legend at least which okay. that's a that's a that's 100 years ago almost so 80 years ago so it had to have some recognition back then as well all right i think we'll move on to yeah i think we'll do this one it's interesting mer people 
Ooh, that's a topic we don't get to discuss very often. <clears throat> yeah, um, <coughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, there's a there's a lot of a lot of ways we could go with this. I mean, you have so the basis. Let me go to this for real quick. Uh, caps, cryptids, anomalies in the paranormal society. Each member of our team focuses on a different area of study, right? So I do a lot of cryptozoology. We have a empath. We have a medium. We have um, all different like a researcher, investigators. But each of us focuses our studies, our research on different areas. And by doing that, it allows us to put all these different things together. And so looking into the Bigfoot phenomenon, for example, you can, you can look at, you know, as an interdimensional, a UFO, you can look at it as a fairy creature and all that stuff. So you, you get all this different lore and mythology and stuff to put into this one bundle, and it helps put more of a complete picture on the history and stuff of these things. And the reason why I bring this up is because uh, mermaids are of the fae lore of yes. the fairies, the trolls, and, and all that stuff. So that's that's where I went down with that whole road. But I wanted to, to bring that up because um, we have done a lot of research with the fairy creatures and stuff like that. Um, not so much with the mer people in that yet, but um, I, I don't know where I stand on that. Um, a lot of the stories and that that you hear, I feel are a lot... Um, of just that like stories i mean you have the whole pt barnum's fiji mermaid that was a hoax yeah uh, that was something he perpetrated um and then you have like uh the the lore that goes with you know pirates or uh uh the explorers and stuff like that but the sirens the the people that lured people to the islands and stuff like that but that's that's totally different than what a mermaid actually would be they're not sirens so well, I mean, what if they were evolved from Atlantis, Atlantean people? Mm -hmm. Because Atlantis was supposedly a real place, and the Greek, the ancient Greeks wrote about it. I believe it was Herodotus who wrote the who wrote about them in his book, or I have that name wrong, but yeah, I just I just listened to a whole podcast about that. Me too. Um, yeah, podcast mythology, I believe, but. Mm, Paranormal Almanac. I have not heard of that podcast. Ah, Kurt Sandvig, Paranormal Almanac. I will give him a shout out. He does a great job on his show. Um, friends with him on Facebook. Uh, awesome show. He deep dives into a lot of topics, a lot of subjects and stuff. And he'll, he'll go through the work to try and debunk a lot of stuff and find actual articles and, and research the topic. So. I, I highly recommend Paranormal Almanac. I have to, because we we need research for our new podcast we're starting, so that might be something I have to look into. See if he's covering our first topic, which will, well, by the time this comes out, it doesn't matter, because it'll be dropping way before this, but uh, our first topic will be Wendigo. Ooh. Um, I can't remember if I've listened to a Wendigo episode of his, but I, uh, I, I want to say he has. Probably. I mean, everybody touches on it eventually, but he, I just listened to his one on Atlantis though. So yeah, there was a, one of the ancient Greek writers wrote about yep. it because Greece and Atlantis went to wars at one point, supposedly. Hmm. And what, I mean, Atlantis interests me always because 
what if they did start evolving or they made themselves evolve because they're supposed to be so techn technologically superior to the rest of the world that what they evolved into half fish people and when they start when they knew their island was sinking they said we'd rather live on our own still than moving with the rest of the world mm -hmm. but it also i've also heard theories that what if mermaids are shape-shifting humans who can make themselves turn half fish so they can live underwater at times like the self yeah, that's kind of like the selkie yes. lore or mm -hmm. which i read a book about that when i was a, when i was in school as a kid and that that interests me a lot because it's kind of like a werewolf of the sea almost the way it has to change every month but i don't know mer people i have i find it so hard to believe like they did a during shark week one year they did a great like documentary about it and then like it turns out the whole thing was just faked mm -hmm. like, yeah i wasn't gonna bring that up but yeah <laughs> i i only bring it up because it was brought up on a episode i did a few weeks ago oh a few months ago at this point but but yeah it was brought up before in one of my episodes and just i i don't know i was kind of pissed when that documentary was fake when i found that out later on i was like oh come on you gave me so much hope in this documentary but mm -hmm. i mean i just have a hard time believing that oh yeah they were seeing mantis because they're gonna mistake a big yeah. big creature for a attractive human like i don't see that i don't each, care each his own yeah i mean BBW, BBW lovers unite, but I don't see. They Maybe, were um, big, beautiful, uh, big, beautiful manatees. Well, there already are big, beautiful men, so that would fit right yeah. in that category. But I mean, I just don't see it because I mean, no matter you can't be that drunk or that out of it all the time, even on a ship, where you're going to think that something is always going to be looking like a mermaid. Like it can't be always be a mantis. It can't always be other things. Like it's got to be eventually. So they're seeing something. I mean, same as sea monsters. Like they're seeing something if they're reporting it over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can't all be giant squids or colossal squids, which we now know exist. But there's there there are ones that are described as pure reptilian creatures. So it also depends where you're seeing these uh, mer creatures, because manatees, dugongs, um, those creatures only live in certain areas of the world. You know, so if you're out in deep sea, you're not going to run into a manatee. Though they live like more in like the the groves. swamps and stuff, yeah. like the groves. So you're you're not going to find them. But, I used to actually have manatees drink out of my grandfather's hose in Florida on a canal. Cool. And you actually would see the ones that got hit by boats and everything because you'd see like the bruises on their stomachs and whatnot. But which is sad, but it's going to happen if they're living in the same area. If they're living in the water and there's boats in the canal, that's going to happen. It's just sad but true. All right, I think we'll maybe touch on one more, maybe two, depending on how, how long the first one takes, but we'll see. And then then we might call it a session, but let's jump to, and I'm trying to find something we haven't done. Actually, well, you said you were researching this, but we not recently, but we haven't talked about it. Mothman or Mothman. Yes, that, <laughs> that very attractive creature you just showed me. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh... So we recently, this past year, uh, it was January and March, we released a two-part episode on the sightings in the Chicagoland area. And these sightings are still going on. Uh, I, we went down there and spent a couple weekends in that researching, talking to witnesses. Uh, we walked all over downtown Chicago trying to talk to the police officers and, and stuff to see what, what, what really we could find out going on down there. 
<clears throat> I, I ran into more questions than I actually got answers. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of conspiracy, not even around Mothman, but around the people that are reporting the stories. Yes. So the, the, the people that are putting out the reports are, are just as mythology as the creature itself. And I, when, when I first released the episode, I, I, I don't know what to think of all that stuff because you, you look at it with two different sides of the coin here is all of the reports that are coming out are coming out from like three sources, three different websites are putting out all the reports of the Chicago Mothman. But when you search, like let's say I had a sighting and I search weird moth, weird bat creature, whatever, all of the sites, the Google links and stuff lead back to these three websites, right? So if I'm going to report, I'm going to report to one of these three sites. So I guess, all right, we'll buy that. Since then, I have actually run across two reports of sightings prior to all of the reports in Chicago that came out in 2017. So before these guys started reporting the Chicago Mothman, there was two reports that came out in 2017 before anyone else reported these to these clearinghouses and and reporting sites. So now this leads me to believe that something actually was being cited and, and from different people than actually were what was reporting. And that's what I was looking for. That's what I was trying to find with these things. So the Chicago Mothman. Um, it's, it's kind of being all around the area of the O'Hare airport. And, um, you know, even, you know, looking back at this, you know, people say, well, that Mothman is the harbinger of doom or whatever, but none of that came to be until after the, not even that after, um, the Mothman prophecies book. True. Yeah. Because the Mothman sightings were not linked to the Silver Bridge collapse until John Keel wrote about it in the Mothman Prophecies. Yeah. So, so that connection was never made up until that point. But I have interviewed several people who have seen this, this creature, a large, I, I, I hesitate to use the word flying because all the reports of people that I've actually interviewed talking about the Mothman say that it, it hovers or it floats or it, it'll glide. It doesn't flap when it's, when it's flying. Um, it'll like flap to take off from a stand, but otherwise it just floats above like uh, two people witnessed it flying over their cars. <clears throat> Both of them were in Minnesota, actually. Um, I saw, or I, I talked to a witness who saw it floating next to the highway in um the border of Chicago and Indiana right there, just outside of Chicago. Um, and I had another witness as well. Uh, I can't remember what theirs was right now, but it's, it's in our, our episodes on, on YouTube. Um, but it, it's, it's really interesting that these, these things are coming out that, like I said, there's, there's more witnesses and stuff to this. And the people are talking about it to the point where the ones that have seen it in the Chicago area around O'Hare are being told not to talk about it. 
the, a lot of the, the freight workers and uh, stuff that are, are down there, they're, they're, they recorded it on their, their phones and they were told, if you don't delete it, we're going to fire you. Um, in some of the most recent reports that have come out from these, these clearing houses and stuff. Um, again, I haven't talked to those witnesses. I'm not aware of who these people are because obviously they, they, they want their anonymity because of, you know, losing their job or whatever. But it's very interesting that, you know, when you have an airport, uh, especially after the things of 9-11 and some of the other terrorist events and stuff, there is security, there are security cameras everywhere. Um, you cannot drive onto that property without being videotaped, without being recorded of some yeah. sort. So there has got to be security footage of these things if they're out there. Um, Most likely erased by now, but. Mm -hmm. Or buried very <laughs> deep. Well, so it, I don't, I don't know. It is O'Hare though, which O'Hare has enough mythology surrounding it on its own being built on a Native American burial ground. And then also supposedly being a reptilian slash Illuminati headquarters underneath it. Yeah. I yep. mean, O'Hare has so many different stories about it. It's hard to even think which ones you could possibly believe. But, but I mean, they, I heard a story on a pod, on stories with Sapphire a week or two ago. There was a Native American nation member who spoke on her podcast about O'Hare Airport because he found it funny that when they first built it and they were told like this is a native american burial ground are you sure you want to build it here and the, the, the people who built it were just like yeah we want to build it so and basically they tried to bring in every major religions official heads priests pastors everything you could think of to try to calm down the airport when it first opened but eventually they had to eventually they did bring in a native american medicine man or I always forget what the right word is for it, but shaman. Yeah. Oh, they don't like being called shamans. That's what this tribe member said. They don't yeah. like, they don't like calling them shamans because they're, that's a term white people made up for them. Mm -hmm. They like to be called, I forget what the word he said was, but it's basically like a medicine man. And they told them you have to, if you, they, they investigate and try to talk to them and did their rituals and what basically ends up happening is if you're in O'Hare airport now in certain places in the airport, you'll hear very slight background music of like a native American track of drums and whatnot. And that appeases the spirits and calms them down. <laughs> and that has been playing since like a year after the airport opened and, and they, they continuously play it 24 seven in the airport. <laughs> but I just, heard that. Just low enough where you can't hear it over the chatter of thousands of people trying to get where they're going. Uh, one of the things that I'm not sure everybody knows either about O'Hare is there actually is a cemetery on the property of O'Hare. It's it's in in the airport itself on the property. Um, you can drive up to it and get to it. I mean, it's still open, but it's it's gated and stuff. Uh, but it's it's backed by the. Uh, uh, the freight area as well. And a lot of Mothman sightings and stuff have happened in and around that area. So I kind of touched on like some of the, the history and stuff of that, but as far as the creature itself goes, um, as I said, the, the dog man, there's no fossil record for these things. And even, <clears throat> even with like mythology and stuff, you don't have a lot of 
lore or anything about them. If you look at uh, cryptids around the world, you have a lot of very similar creatures though, uh, but you have to broaden your, your search. Instead yeah. of searching for Mothman, you look for like um, flying humanoid or giant bat or um, you know winged creatures and stuff like that. Because you have like things like the Ahul uh, from Papua New Guinea and stuff that are very, very similar creatures. You know, the sounds they make, the styles, the descriptions that these things could be, you know, mistaken or, or could be the same creatures. Uh, but you, they don't call them the same, obviously, you know, back to the whole Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Yeti, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it depends where in the world you are. And it just so happens that everyone's familiar with Mothman because there was a movie made about it, you know? Yeah. But if, if there wasn't this, uh, pop culture uh, reference to these creatures, you know, if it wasn't become mainstream that way, what what would you call this thing? A giant bat? Batman? No, you know, so... Man bat. Man bat, yeah. Moth squatch. I like that one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what, what to make of them. I... Another thing is uh, in the area surrounding O'Hare Airport, there is a section of forest that is between O'Hare Airport and downtown Chicago. And this section of forest runs for about, I want to say like five miles along the edge of O'Hare there. And it divides the city. It's, it's not that wide. It's probably about like two, three city blocks wide, but it's long and it's dense, very dense in some areas. And it has a river uh, running through it. So you have water, you have woods, you have deer. You have all kinds of natural wildlife in this area. Uh, there's the Cook County Forest Preserve in there. Uh, I forget the names of the, the rest of it. It's kind of broken up into, but uh, you definitely have an area where these things could be living if they were a natural animal. But the problem with Mothman is, is unlike Dogman or, or Bigfoot, you don't have the reports of people seeing them eating. You don't see like natural animal behavior from this thing. So it is my opinion that this thing is not a biological creature as we would consider it, um, or at least nothing that we've encountered before. Um, it just doesn't fit. Which I mean, we leads to the theory. You said it like it's been described as a forsayer of doom, mm -hmm. which, as most people say, that would make it possibly an angel. Or mm -hmm. an angelic heavenly creature, but what if it's a bringer of doom, like a demonic creature or an underworld creature? Mm -hmm. And what if they, when they're done, what they got to do, they return to the heavens or they return to the underworld and they stay there until they're needed again. Either direction, whichever way people fancy to think about them, but because I mean, no one's ever seen them. I've never heard any reports of people actually seeing them doing something that would cause doom they're just happen right. to be there like in point pleasant or in chernobyl or i mean chicago i've heard nothing really bad happening since they've been around yeah and when you look at like the whole point pleasant west virginia situation that that whole story took place i believe within a year or two years total. yeah yeah um and then mothman is you know i i think people still claim they've seen mothman since then you know out in the tnt area and that um but I mean, nothing, nothing like the original sightings of that. 
But with Chicago, you've been seeing these things since 2017. Uh, I believe there might even be a couple sightings in 2016 going back there till modern day. I mean, just a couple months ago, I think was the last sighting reported coming out of the Chicagoland area or not even that long ago, this, this, well, now it'd be a couple months ago, back in June, but um, May, June area was the last sightings that I've heard uh, as of recording this. And, um, you know, so people are still seeing it. Now it's, it's, it pops up in the same locations for quite a while. I actually went through the work of plotting every sighting uh, on a map by color. Mm -hmm. So each, each year I plotted the, the lines of where this thing was seen and you see a distinct area that it's being seen each year. And it's not like a migrational path because <clears throat> if, if, if it was migrating, it, it's been seen up into Wisconsin uh, on the far end, closer to the Madison area of Wisconsin, all the way down through Chicago, down into, um, Indian, Indiana over that way. And you would think that if this was a migration of it swapping back and forth, you would see one like always in January up here, you know, and, and a, a, a plot line of it moving, but it, it covers this, this whole area from one month, it'll be up here, one month, it'll be down here the next month. So it's, it's not very uh, plottable, I guess that way. But it was really interesting to see that these, these sightings plotted in certain chunks or swatches, like a curvature of the different areas of the city. It started out white on the lakeshore and then it moved in. It, it surrounded the airport one year and then more lower the next year. And it's kind of interesting. But So which kind of makes me think almost, what if it's a government type thing as well or extraterrestrial thing watching the government because Point Pleasant was a big, the TNT area was a big government mm -hmm. area. Chernobyl was a huge government thing in Russia or Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And O'Hare Airport in Chicago is supposedly a secret meeting base for a lot of different organizations or secret groups. So who knows? I mean, there are there are doors in O'Hare Airport that I've seen reports of and videos of that no one knows where they go. People that have worked there for 20 years don't know where these doors go and they're told not to go in there. Mm -hmm. You're also missing another link that uh, the, um, what is the uh, nuclear reaction project? I can't remember what the Manhattan project. Um, the Manhattan project actually started in Chicago. There's a plaque True. True. that actually links that as well of the nuclear testing and stuff to the Chicagoland area. Yeah, which that just is a whole nother, I didn't even think about that even, but yeah, that's true. That's a very true thing. And maybe that's what, I mean, they, people have said for years, us starting to test nuclear bombs is when alien activity really picked up on Earth, and that's when UFOs were starting to be seen more and more. Because once we start, once we discovered how to start destroying ourselves, that's when the aliens want to watch to see mm -hmm. what we're going to do with this technology. Well, and then of course, if you're going to go down that rabbit hole, you have to bring up CERN. I know the acronym, but I forget what it stands for. <laughs> I don't know what it stands for, actually, and I think it stands for something in French, so I, I couldn't tell you that anyway, um, but it's the uh, Large Hadron Collider in Geneva, Switzerland. <clears throat> so it's basically the premise is it's this giant, huge donut, and um, they take particles 
and they they fly them around the donut and they slam them into each other at very fast speeds trying to create the god particle or the higgs boson yeah. which is what is what is called the graviton uh particle and uh the the reason behind that would be is if we can find the graviton particle it will lead to the discovery of alternate dimensions yeah so that's that's all string theory and quantum mechanics and stuff like that and yes so when, i just googled it cern does stand for a french name that yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it but it translates to the European Council for Nuclear Research. Correct. Yep. Yeah, we actually, uh, my show, Whispers from the Dark, actually did an episode on uh, CERN a little while ago. So I couldn't remember exactly what it stood for. I knew it was something in French, though. So yeah, it's like Council Day European, and I'm not even going to try to put the rest <laughs> of it. Yeah. But mm -hmm. yeah, so I, Mothman is a very interesting topic that. We're never, I don't think we're not going to have answers for it any time in the future, like for at least until maybe the end of humanity, then maybe something will reveal itself, possibly, if it's one of the main things that we think it might be. But it's just one of those interesting sightings. And I do love hearing the stories of the Point Pleasant sightings originally, because those were all interesting sightings and that poor dog that never came back. But and the fact that you, you just imagine driving down a road and having this thing chasing you is goosebump like causing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. And I'm not going to try to guess the things I, I just don't know about. But all right. I'd say we do one more because I got a good one for the last one. And then we're, Let's do it. we're done. We're going to go with my old friend who goes by many names, but he's more commonly known as the. Uh, Goat man or Pope like monster, hmm. which has been the goat man is tied to a lot of train track legends, which basically are that he will, if you go in his territory, supposedly you'll die, whether it's from getting hit by a train because you're trying to look for this creature and you're not looking where the train's going, or because this creature will kill you. And Pope I forget what state public is in. I want to say Kansas or I don't know. Ah, I feel like I should know that. Po I think I think it's called Public County, the county it's in. What the, oh, when you hit it, James. Louisiana. Kentucky. Louisiana, Kentucky, Kentucky yep. Yeah. Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, that's that's where it's yep. yeah. And Basically, it's like a Bigfoot-sized creature, but it has a goat's head and looks more like a goat with the hoofs and everything else instead of the primate feet. And it's been seen, I believe, since the 50s, 60s at least. And it's basically, if you're, if you're in this area, they tell you not to go there. And cops actually actively tell people not to go in this area. They have signs posted everywhere around it. No trespassing, stay out. <coughs> And the fact that it's been seen more places than just Poplick, though, it's been seen in other places. The Poplick is just monster, it's just one of the more famous ones. Which, I mean, it goes into the whole ancient civilization conversation with satyrs from ancient Greece being half goats, half men. And it goes just through history of these different creatures that supposedly existed. But have you guys ever actually done any research into this for any of your episodes? Not yet, no. Um, I am familiar with it. Um, I was going to bring up the fact that uh, quite recently, 
um, there was a, a woman that was out there looking for the Pope Lick monster and was out on the trestle and got hit and killed by a train. So I don't know if you saw that in the news, but that was right now, probably like a couple months ago, I think. So I have heard, I ha- I've heard about that. I think a podcast talked about it, but yeah, but there's, I'm... there's been a lot of, I mean, like, as you were talking about, like, you know, the guardian of the, the bridges or whatever, the train trestles and that, it kind of sounds like uh, the troll mythology, you know, like the bridge trolls and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's kind of linked with this whole mythology as well, with these creatures. Um, yeah, I actually just looked it up real fast and because I already had the public monster Googled. So, but it was actually on my birthday, May 26, 2019, and Savannah Bright, a 15-year-old girl, was pronounced dead the scene after she and another teenage girl were on the train tracks near the public trestle. The un, the, the uh, other girl lived, apparently, but she was pronounced dead, and they don't mention if they if the other girl ever said that they saw anything but the train did hit the one girl because they weren't paying attention to where they were and i highly advise against anybody going legend tripping anywhere dangerous without proper precautions because it's just don't be stupid don't be stupid like think ahead but that's just my little thing i mean i'm not gonna go climbing on a train trust any day of the week because no it's just <laughs> no it's just a, especially if it's active yeah i mean, I mean it, if it's an abandoned train trestle that brings up totally different situations because then it's dangerous because it's dilapidated and and you know not safe to walk on to begin with but you know be aware of your surroundings when you're going out to these places um you know it's it's trespassing for one because it's it's property of whatever railroad owns that trestle uh one of our earlier episodes we did urban legends and we did the Black Bridge in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which uh, we actually got a lot of evidence out there. And um, <clears throat> this is a very active train trestle. While we were out there investigating, I think we had two or three trains come through in a matter of like two hours while we were there. And um, we did go on the trestle, which I don't advise. Uh, but we only went in about like 20, 30 feet on either side and there's signals there. And if you're going to do stuff like this, you need to know what you're doing. As far as like train scanners, you can listen to when they're coming, you know, and, and hear when there's a train in the area. You also want to be aware of like what's going on with the signal lights because they'll tell you, Hey, there's a train coming, you know, in like five minutes. Um, if they're green, you're good to go. If they're yellow, there's something coming. And if there's red, you need to get off that trestle. And, you know, by doing that, we were able to stay safe and, and kind of take a look and get the evidence that we wanted out of there. But I mean, I, I don't recommend doing it. If you definitely don't know what you're doing, look, look into it and, and be safe. Yes. If the light's red, yeah, they're like the boys and stand by me. But I mean, with the slow-mo movie scene and everything included, but it's just... <laughs> And I actually just looked this up too because I knew there was another goat man that was famous for this, and it's the Mer- the Maryland the Maryland uh, goat man legends, which supposedly this goat man is the one I heard about as a kid a lot more because it would it was known for killing dogs or running after cars with an axe because apparently this <laughs> apparently this goat man was more humanoid than goat because it would actually think to pick up a tool, and. Yeah, and that's I, not something you hear in a lot of the cryptid reports. A lot of these things are very animalistic. You don't have, you know, the werewolves, the Bigfoot and stuff. You don't hear them 
using weapons or fire or tools or any of that kind of stuff. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. You'll hear of a Bigfoot pick throwing rocks like in the Ape Canyon yeah. incident or mm -hmm. like I've heard plenty of incidents of truckers parked on the side of a wooded road all of a sudden getting woken up to a huge boulder hitting the side of their truck and denting it. And there's actually a dent there and you could tell. And there's even been reports of Bigfoots walking atop the trailers and you could see like the indent from their feet in it. Mm -hmm. which I'm pretty sure those trucks disappear pretty fast when they get back to their home base, but probably men in black, but, <laughs> but yeah, supposedly there's a goat man rumored to reside in a makeshift shelter in the wood region of Northwestern Prince George's County near the vicinity yeah. of Bowie, Maryland, which it's pretty creepy. If I saw a goat man coming at me with an ax, I might just shit my pants and die right there. Like who knows? Like I couldn't imagine that happening but it's very like uh what do you call it like the hills have eyes or something you know very hillbilly backwoods kind of <clears throat> yeah i mean a lot of people in maryland believe that the goat man has been was just made up and someone blamed their dog it was an ancient legend and someone blamed the dog like their dog getting killed by it and since then teenagers keep up the rumors because it's an interesting local legend for them a hometown legend that they have which I mean, supposedly the one in Maryland is supposed to haunt like Lover's Lanes too, like all the classic urban legends, but who knows? I just, I don't know. And I'm not gonna pretend to know that. All I know is if I ever see a goat man, I'll try to take a picture before it, before, before it kills me. But, but, uh, and that's pretty much, we hit every cryptid pretty much that I could think of at this point, which I love because talking for two and a half hours on cryptids is a, always an amazing time. I could, oh, definitely. I could do it daily and still talk about the same things over and over again. It's still always fun. Oh, there's, there are hundreds of cryptids that we haven't even touched on. Yeah, there's a lot more. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more international cryptids that we didn't get to and some American ones that we got to, but we did, they're too similar to other ones we talked to and I didn't want to bring them up. So such as, well, the wisp and stuff like that. But we can we could always do this again in the future and have another fun conversation mm -hmm. about this stuff. Just, yeah, have definitely. To, just have to do some research and bring up some more other ones I know of. I've always wanted to talk about the bun yip. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, that was what I was thinking of too. But we could always do this in the future at some point as well, or I don't know. We'll see how it goes, and or maybe maybe you can Barnaby can come on my other paranormal podcast starting up once we start doing guests because it is instead of interviews, it is going to be discussions on a Pacific cryptid every week, kind of like your show and a lot of other shows out there but monday morning monsters yes it's gonna be kind of like that but we're not investigators none of us are really investigators so that's good that's the difference we're just paranormal enthusiasts talking about this stuff which hey we'll see what happens you will have to come out to uh the van meter iowa festival and uh we will do a live uh show together i have to because i as soon as i mentioned it to my podcast group that was in iowa and i they they immediately were like Oh yeah, we know about it. I'm like, you didn't tell me though. I'm like, I would, mm. but maybe I will come out. I don't know. I'll see how it works out financially, but maybe I could come out or maybe if I get them, I don't know. I doubt they want to, do they, do they sponsor podcasts to come out? <laughs> no, I tried to get in as a speaker and I, I haven't heard back yet. They were still working on their speaker lineup as of this is, um, that was in May. This is June now that we're recording this. And uh, yeah, I haven't heard back yet, but I will be there as a vendor for sure. So. Yeah, maybe I'll come down and check it out and try to get some live interviews done for my show and both my shows even. Maybe I can talk to some of the other people from my other podcast to come on too. So we'll see. 
but September 24th, Van Meter, Iowa. Yes, I'm going to make notes to look into that. But all right. Well, as always, let's find out where our guests can be found before we go. Awesome. Sounds good. So you can find me at Wisconsin Caps, all spelled out Wisconsin, C A P S dot com. And that's Cryptids, Anomalies, and the Paranormal Society. You can find all of our YouTube shows on Wisconsin Caps. Search for that and you can find us on there. We have a brand new main documentary show out every two months. Uh, we put out six of those a year. We also have a spinoff show called Finding Haydn, which is all about our Bigfoot research at the Haydn Adventure in Upper Michigan. And we have a lot of great evidence, audio, video, thermal trail cameras from there that's on that show. And we're still putting out new episodes uh, all the time. We have season one is wrapped up and season two is starting now and we've already filming season three. We also have Caps Academy coming out soon and Ghosts of Mackville, which is all about the paranormal investigations that we're doing in Mackville, Wisconsin at the Gainers Tavern, uh, Bean Snappers. We do uh, paranormal tours of Bean Snappers and Gainers Tavern. Uh, for anybody that's in the area, you can go to our website, wisconsincaps.com, click on public events, and you can find out wherever I'm gonna be, all of our shows, Whispers from the Dark podcast, wherever you listen, and Monday Morning Monsters on WLTK-DB Paranormal Radio. And as everybody knows on my show, you, that listens to my show at least, you can find me as at Juggalo Bastard on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, though I haven't decided what I'm going to do with TikTok yet. It's still got no uploads. <laughs> I only went on there because of East Coast Paranormal, so I could do the previews of their, of their information, but and you can find me on facebook as jeremy bryant or under the paranormal the new normal facebook group and you can find all my other podcasts in that group as well and anybody listens to my show by now when this drops should know what very well what a podcast i'm on but we will see you next time on paranormal the new normal thank you for listening thanks guys <laughs>